But for us here tonight, uh, why don't we why don't we start why don't we start with the word of prayer? Dearly Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you uh, for your word this evening, uh, Lord. We know that uh, we are not uh, we are not enslaved, but we are free uh, by the offspring of the woman Jesus Christ. Uh, bless us, O Lord, in the comfort of salvation, uh, knowing that your good purpose is Jesus, the salvation for our soul. Uh, bless us, O Lord, and, and grant uh, this word uh, to go well with us as we as we uh, meditate on your on your statutes and and, uh, and dwell upon your promises, uh, knowing that we are under your eternal care. Bless us this night. Uh, we, this day we just uh, continue to pray for those, uh, for Sheldon, uh, as he is um, taking care of things today. Bless him in your peace. Bless him in the resurrection and and lead him, O Lord, in your promises and, and just keep him in your care this night. Lord, for all these things we're thankful. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Um, yes, okay. So, where were we? We're on verse 21 to 23, something like that. The example of um, Hagar and Sarah. Why does St. Paul bring up this parallel? Uh, because, I'll tell you why. Because uh, he is trying to show us the results of the law versus the gospel. Now, why don't we start, uh, someone could read 21, 21 to 23 for me, if you could, 21 through 23 for me, if you can. I can do that. Thank you. Tell me, tell me you who desire to be under the law, do you not listen to the law? For it is written that Abraham had two sons, one by a slave woman and one by a free woman. But the son of the slave was born according to the flesh, while the son of the free woman was born through the promise. All right. So, you know, when we, when we look at the example of Hagar and Sarah, this is a, a reference to, to Genesis uh, 16, uh, Genesis 21. Uh, the story is this, that they couldn't have um, a baby. And uh, they were barren. They were, you know, they were... Uh, older <laughs> they were older uh and there was you know they were at that age where you know having the barrenness of the womb was just a reality for sarah and even though we very well know that god did promise that abraham would be what the father of nations right uh that as many stars in the skies there his offspring would be so with that promise what are, what did they try to do well, we're not having babies, so we have our, our, our Egyptian servant woman, right, our, our slave woman, uh, and maybe we can, you can have a, you know, you could sleep with her and have a baby, and um, that's what they did. Uh, Ishmael was the baby, and there they finally realized, well, that uh, Hagar began to kind of look uh, uh, what's the word kind of scoffingly at her at Sarah in a sense where look I have the baby and and you don't right it almost kind of became an adversarial kind of thing and I think as we look at this whole situation at the end of the day they were trying to figure out a way to have a baby what they were failing to do as humans was what 
trusting in the promise of God and what he promised them would happen. They were continually trusting in the human way. And here we see the result, Ishmael. And a lot of issues there in a sense where uh, soon they realize what had happened. And, and um, now Sarah is uh, Sarah and Abraham were, uh, were reminded from the Lord that they would have a child. And um, their response was telling. They would laugh. I mean, how could it be? Um, good old Abraham there is 100 years old and, and Sarah is 90. I mean, how is this even possible? Um, so again, you know, when we talk about um, the, two, the two parallels here, I think uh, simply put, uh, one is of the flesh and one is of the, the, the free woman born through the promise. Okay, so one of the flesh, at the end of the day, uh, it results in more what? It, it results in nothing. It, it results in more chaos, more strife. We see that uh, under the human flesh, no matter how hard they tried, uh, they, they very well knew uh, that this wasn't the way, but rather by the free woman who was born through promise. And that promise is from God and his word. Now, if we trust in God's word, then we know that it is, of course, true. Not only true, but it actually delivers what he promises. We're not, we're not doubting. We're not wondering. Uh, we're, we're, we're patient and we're faithful in what his word says. Now, just like Adam and Eve, God gave them the word. But yet, what did they do? They wanted more. They wanted their own way. Abraham and Sarah did the same thing. Uh, they, they strived in their own way rather than just trusting in God's word. Um, and there they were embarking into the flesh as if they could figure it out themselves. Uh, just like Adam and Eve, uh, they could be like God if they just trusted in themselves. And that's what happened. But rather, death and sin came into the world all because they did not follow the word of God. Now, on a more... On, a, on another level, we see this, is Hagar and Sarah, flesh and promise, as a, as a, uh, 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 an allegory to uh, the Judaizers who believe that human works can save versus the gospel, where thereby the promise, the offspring of Abraham, Jesus Christ, would be the savior of the world for them, right? And this is kind of the two things, right? So we, so St. Paul brings up the story of Hagar and Sarah, and we see the two stories, and we see, and we know where it ends, right? Uh, Ishmael, you know, uh, and and uh, uh, Hagar gets, they get outcasted, uh, they are cared for, but they get outcasted. Uh, we see Sarah uh, and Abraham, of course, right? Uh, there we see uh, the the offspring of a woman the blessed seed of Jesus Christ and the promise that God had given to them actually come to fruition. So when we talk about the law, can the law save? And the answer is no. no. Because a law alone for the Judaizers was a, was a human quest for righteousness and holiness, right? It was like their way 
of trying to figure out, even though the promise was already given, I have to figure out my way, right? So, so we see like that whole, the, the, the two parallels of what happens when we trust in the flesh versus when we trust in the promise. And um, I think that's the tension that we see in our lives um, every uh, single day. I know, you know, when you write notes from the morning and um, you don't know what they mean now, do you, do you do ever do that with notes? Like you write notes down on a piece of paper and you're like, what does that even mean? It's even worse. It's even worse when you write them down and you can't read your writing. <laughs> oh yeah. That, that is worse. <laughs> that's a double whammy. Yeah. Tim can relate to that. Um, no, but you know, I, I think this is, uh, I think this is the, the parallel with Hagar and Sarah is that when we go by human endeavor, we will fail. When we trust in the promise that is given, um, there, there God uh, follows through. Now, as we look at uh, verse, uh, you know, verse, yes, Isaac was born, Genesis 17, right? Uh, and, uh, you know, we see in uh, Genesis 16, um, Ishmael was born. It's almost as if the law of human nature versus the promise of God. Isaac was what? Promised by God, right? This was a child that was promised to them. Ishmael was a human endeavor, like, okay, let's just subvert the system and, and let's figure this out on our own. This wasn't by the word of God. This was by their human, human way. And um, again, this is, the, the human way is what? Like all world religions. You follow the law, you deserve what you, uh, you get what you, what is it you get? You, um, you do the time to, um, what's the idiom? Um, okay, you, get what you, get. you can't do the time. <laughs> Or you know you uh you know you reap what you no, you reap what you reap sow. What but, you sow. Yeah. Um, but uh, you know you know you measure up by your works, and this is the law of nature, isn't it? Uh, and you know I guarantee uh, even Christians have those elements of temptation, thinking that they have to uh, you know they have to bring something to the table, right? Um, and I said earlier in our, especially in our devotion this week uh, about the Christian life, you know, a lot of times when we come to church, when we give our offering, when we love and serve our neighbor, if this is seen in a way of brownie points, we are under the law of nature, right? Uh, if we think that it's somehow an additive to our salvation, uh, then we see that we're kind of falling to the Judaizer way, Right. Um, and I know all of us, trust me, if we want to be honest with ourselves, have those elements of, did you see what I did, Lord? Look how good I am. You might not say it that way, but there might be like, look, look at that. I, I'm not that bad of a person. I've done all these good things. And, you know, it, it must amount to something, right? Um, I, I think all of us have that subtlety of wanting to play a part in the law of human nature, just like Abraham and Sarah and Ishmael and Hagar. Uh, that whole law of nature, but as St. Paul reminds us here, that that uh, will not get it done. Uh, that uh, will only bring us to further enslavement. That's why he says right there, one by a slave woman and one by a free woman. That freedom of a Christian is through the seed, and that is Christ. So uh, verse 24, verse 24 and through 26, if someone can read that, 24 to 26. I'll, I'll do it. Uh, now this may be interpreted allegorically. 
These women are two covenants. One is from Mount Sinai bearing children for slavery. She is Hagar. Now, Hagar is Mount Sinai in Arabia. She corresponds to the present Jerusalem, for she is in slavery with her children. But the Jerusalem above is free, and she is our mother. All right. So, so when we talk about the law of Moses, I mean, the law is, is the law good? We talked about this a couple of weeks ago. Of course the law is good, right? We don't just throw out the law. That's not what we're saying here. Um, the law is good. But when it comes to justifying our... Oh, that's right. Earlier what I said. I forgot. I totally missed my point. But, uh, okay, yeah. So, so when we, you know, when we go to church, uh, you know, when I was a kid, um, uh, you know, I always thought going to church was what? Like, you're just checking off the box. You know, I, I allotted my time for God this week, and I did the Christian thing. Now let me go and, you know do my thing now i gave you know i did my time for it sounds like i'm going to jail or something but i did my time you know as a kid i'm like okay uh oh man how long is he gonna preach oh no this is a long one i just what's the football score i want to get home is it halftime yet let's see Uh, okay he's done let's go home okay we did our okay i'm christian we did our christian thing let's move on with our lives right uh and it, it was almost as if i treated when i was a kid i treated church as something that we had to do because I thought that burden was on me still, as if I had to fulfill the Christian thing. Um, even giving, right? Uh, the, the Bible says give with a cheerful heart, uh, with a faithful heart. And, um, you know, a lot of times, and I always tell myself this even to this day, uh, if I'm giving out of burden, you got to step back and go back to the gospel and, and, and see what this promise is all about. Because the ironic thing is that when we give, I always tell myself, if that's all you think you need to give, um, I always give more than what I think I ought to give. Because I know my own covetous heart. I know how my, I don't carry a purse, but my metaphoric purse strings are very tight. And I'm like, oh, that's mine, mine, mine. Um, And I know my sinful nature. But the ironic thing is, is that when we're of the promise and we give, it is the most freeing thing to do. Does that, it's so paradoxical that way with giving, right? It's like, you know, one side you're like, oh, well, you know, I, I need this for what I, whatever I need it for. And this is mine. This is mine. This is mine. But soon you'll find yourself enslaved in that very thing in the law of nature. Um, rather than simply saying, Lord, this was always yours. All of it. All of it's yours. Because my life is in your name. My life is in Christ. And there we are free by that very, the reality of the gospel and the promise that he gives. And again, that's just a tidbit for me. But, but again, you know, but rather when we go to church now, it's, boy, this is going to be great. I mean, I get to hear the word of God and receive the, the word and sacrament, the gifts receiving. Not I'm doing something for God or I'm doing this fulfill quota, but rather it is God who is gifting me the words that I need to hear. And um, and, and that is the children of promise. That is uh, where we receive the gifts uh, 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 of, uh, of his word. And again, as we look at the law of Mount Sinai here, um, we very well know that um, if it's the law is good and Hagar represents uh, this, uh, this Mosaic covenant of Mount Sinai. Um, um, but also, it, I think as we look at it at the end of the day, 
this is a picture of also uh, bondage. That if it's only by the law, the result is she is in slavery with her children. That everything pointed to Christ. Everything. Anticipation, looking forward to the, the coming of the king, the word made flesh. For us, our, our, our anticipation as we live in the now and wait for the not yet, his final return, right? But when we talk about Mount Sinai, it's a symbol of slavery, of living under the law of bondage. Again, as I said earlier, the law is good. We need the law, right? It shows us our sin, but that's not where it ends. It doesn't end um, at Mount Sinai, but it ends at Calvary, right? Uh, where there Jesus died for every one of us by his promise. Now, but Mount Sinai, the symbol, the allegory of the law and the bondage of slavery, we see the other thing, Jerusalem above is free and she is our mother. So this Jerusalem is the gospel, the kingdom of God. And what is the kingdom of God? The kingdom of God is Christ, the promise that through his word, uh, we are free. Now, again, as we look at the example of, uh, of Hagar and Sarah right here, uh, we very well know that Sarah is the picture of freedom because that freedom is given by the promise of God, not by human symbol, human intervention. That was a symbol of Hagar, is that humans tried to figure this out rather than trusting in God and his promises. Humans try to engineer their salvation by their very works. You know, like a burdened conscience or a guilty conscience or your shame. What do people try to do? They try to compensate, right? They try to compensate feel better about themselves. How? By human work. Now, for us, what is it? Human work isn't to compensate for anything, right? I mean, human work is just simply the love and service of neighbor through the life of faith, the fruit of faith, as God calls us by his very word to love and serve, right? It's not to compensate. It's not to, to uh, band-aid the situation or, or uh, what's the word? Or, um, you know, uh, make the wrongs right, because that's what the Lord does, right? We're just there to love and serve. And the law shows us how to do that very thing. We're not burdened. If you're burdened by the law, where do we go? We go back to the gospel, right? If you're burdened by the law, if you're burdened um, in the love and service to God and neighbor, we repent and go back to the gospel, right? And um, I think that's a, uh, I think that's a very uh, uh, important thing as we see it right here. Um, of what it means to be from above. Again, Nicodemus, remember, born from above. What does that mean? Uh, born of, uh, of water and spirit, born into baptism, right? Uh, born from above, that is of faith by the power of the Holy Spirit in the, in the life-saving work of Christ. That this is what true freedom is, and that is the gospel, right? Again, he is repeating himself, I, I think, as I repeat myself often, <laughs> but but the Judaizers were doing a were doing a number on the Galatians. Uh, they actually believed that they had to save themselves. Right, they had to figure it out. And Hagar and Sarah are the two. Um, I just like saying the word juxtaposing because it sounds like a cool word. But they're is that make sense? Juxtaposed or they're they're kind of compared and contrasted to one another to see what happens. And the end result is what Sarah. Isaac, the seed to all the world, father of all nations. Um, so that, that I think is, is very important. 
uh, as it says right there in verse, if someone could read verse 27 real quick for me, verse 27. I can. For it is written, be glad, O barren woman who bears no children. Break forth and cry aloud, you who have no labor pains, because more are the children of the desolate woman than of her, hu- of, than of her who has a husband. All right, so this is kind of a parallel from Sarah, you know, being barren, the promise, but also the, the captivity, uh, being exiled, uh, 700s, and, and uh, I think 586, they would be set free. But this was a picture of what it means uh, to be, what? To be uh, desolate, but yet by the promise, they would be fulfilled. Um, now, uh, when we talk about this promise, you guys, right here, uh, from that parallel from Isaiah 54, but also uh, looking back to Sarah and her barren womb. Um, oh, that's right. This is a good nugget. Is when we talk about the word of God and the promise of God, just like we talked about in our sermon this evening about the anchor uh, of Christ and to live as Christ, to die as gain. Um, when we look at the word, in these two situations of Hagar and Sarah, we know that her womb was barren for the longest of times. And society thought that it was, or they even thought that it was over, right? That they couldn't have children anymore, even with the promise of God. Now, what about the Virgin Mary? You know, when we see in the Apostles' Creed, I believe, you know, um, in the Virgin Birth, or conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary. Now, what? Well, we talk about the promise of God and the virgin birth. Now, barren is one thing, right, for many years. And we're like, okay, that that is a very, from a human standpoint, seemingly a very uh, minute, like, you know, minute case, right? How could that happen? But what about the virgin birth? I mean, how do we, how does Mary take these words from the angels? She says, let it be according to thy word. Nothing is impossible with God. Right? Uh, but I guess the point is, is that do you believe that the word of God uh, truly delivers what he promises? And at the end of the day, it's either you do or you don't. And when we look at the miraculous birth of Christ, conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, and even his whole life, what does the cross look like? Hey, Matthew. Anyways, um, what does the cross <laughs> look like? I mean, the, the scripture shows us that the cross is, is foolishness. I mean, people think that the cross is foolish, right? The death of Jesus looks like a death of, uh, of great humiliation, of great weakness. This is not a king. Right? Kings don't die on crosses. What, what's going on here? Now, anyone who believes that outside of themselves they need to be saved because they in themselves aren't sufficient, that is foolish. And that is the world that we live in. Right? So I, I guess my point is here as I get a little passionate about it is, is when we talk about the virgin birth, when we talk about Jesus' life, when we talk about his death upon the cross, to the world, what is binding them is the failure to trust and see the word of God for what it is. 
And when we fail to see the word of God or what it is, what happens? The law of nature comes into our natural course as humans. And we trust in ourselves to, 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 to bring that fulfillment, to bring that de deliverance, um, to do the works of the law because we think we can actually do it, right? When in fact, we cannot. So when we, when we speak of this whole, and in reality, because we cannot, we find ourselves in more despair because, well, we've tried and we've failed and we, we just cannot save ourselves. Where do we go from here? Right? And that is the great bondage, isn't it? Um, uh, trusting in self, when in fact, at the same time, you're enslaving yourself to this human condition. Like you're, you're being enslaved as if uh, you're, you're running the rat race. Hopefully you can get there. But as you're running, you just, you just never get there. And you're trying and trying and trying. And, and soon enough, you find yourself falling time and time again. Right? So when we talk about uh, the promise of God and, and, and for Sarah and, and for all, the, all of Israel exiled uh, in that uh, Babylonian captivity, we, we very well know that the Lord would deliver them as he would deliver the people by his very word. I mean, I want you to really think about that in your life, about the word of God uh, as your sinful nature, all of our sinful natures does what with the word of God? Uh, we don't wait. We don't trust. We don't fear, love, and trust God above all things. We, we know what we ought to do, but how many times do we trust in the thoughts of man and the ways of man rather than the word of God. And um, we're, we're no different than Abraham and Sarah trying to engineer our way to things that we want or that we think is best. Um, and for the Judaizers, that's what they did. And the Galatians went along with it because I think this is the human, this is the human condition, right? Uh, uh, believing that we can actually fulfill the law when in fact we'll only find ourselves greatly despaired and bound by it. So, uh, so yes, uh, a lot there, right there, I, I think in verse, uh, 27, uh, but, um, why don't we read, um, 28 and 29. Um, now you brothers like Isaac are children of promise, but just at that time, he who was born according to the flesh persecuted him who was born according to the spirit. So also it is now. All right. So he's using the children now for what is happening with the gospel. So now you brothers like Isaac are children of promise. What is that promise? Of course it is the gospel, right? Uh, but just as that time, he who was born according to the flesh, this is, this is Ishmael. And we see in the Bible how he kind of scoffed and, and uh, was, you know, kind of going against uh, little, uh, you know, little uh, Isaac there. Uh, but again, according to the flesh, according to the law, according to the spirit, according to the gospel. Now, why does, why does the law, if we think allegorically here, why does the law persecute the law and nature of man try to persecute the spirit and the gospel. Why is that the natural course of man? Why is that a reality? Anyone have a thought on that?
Um, Our sinful nature. Well, when we think, okay, good. Our sinful nature. But when we think of this, our sinful nature and the law, what is the law rooted in? It's rooted in self-righteousness, right? Now, why does self-righteousness shirk? Is that a word? Shirk? Shirk? I think yeah. I used it in the sermon before, so I guess yes. it's a word. I don't know. <laughs> like, why does, why does, does self-righteousness, why can't self-righteousness stand the gospel? Why can't self, why does self-righteousness skin just go, just goes bonkers over the gospel? Why, why does self-righteousness just hate the gospel? Why is that? Because we are a bunch of rugged individualists and we think we can do it all on our own. A lot of pride, a lot of pride and ego. Good, good. Um, because what does, what is the disease of self-righteousness anyway? What is the disease of self-righteousness? You said it, pride, ego, arrogance, smug, smug hearts as if we're like sufficient. Oh, we're good. We're good. We don't need that, right? Uh, You know what? You know, we talk about the the foolishness of the cross. The foolishness of the cross shows all the self-righteous hearts. You can't do this yourself. And for the self-righteous heart, that is the biggest bombshell. Like, like the ball that demol- demolitions, demolitions, demolishes the building. It just, it crushes all that they were built upon, right? So no gospel is going to tell them that this gift is outside of their realm. It's outside of their, they cannot bring that measuring stick to the table. Um, and that is the disease to which the Galatians are faced with. Because self-righteousness, honestly, Dave, Jeff, Cecily, I mean, Ken, self-righteousness, why is it so alluring? Why is that so, I mean, why is it so, why does it look so good? Why does self-righteousness look so good? It's really no different than Eve with the uh, apple, you know, power. Good, yes, power. Um, Right, yeah, you look. You want to have the power to do it yourself. Right. Yeah. It makes, gives you a false sense that you're in control of things. And you're not looking for God to be in control of everything. But you're trying to take that, take that back like you can do it all yourself. Um, yeah. You know, you know, when we talk about that self-righteousness and that moralism, again, um, it, it's easy to... to to move around the, the scale and, and just kind of, you know, uh, make sure that it's even and you're always tippy-toeing over the good and bad and, and making sure that it's, it's, it's just square. Or maybe no, actually, with our suffrage, we, we want the good to be a little bit more, right? A little bit more up uh, because we want to bring something to the table. Uh, we want to appease our consciences. We want to convince ourselves that we're good and we believe that we can do it ourselves. And... Uh, this is uh, the whole parallel with Hagar and Sarah is that Sarah couldn't do it herself. She needed the promise of God. They tried, but that didn't work out because it wasn't by the word of God. It wasn't by his promise. We could, we could be self-righteous all day. Dave, Cecily, Jeff, Ken, even um, Abe or my wife, you know, we, 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 could all, we could all try to do it. And I, I've seen it. 
you know, I mean, what is the number one thing about people? What is the number one thing they say about Christians? Secular people. What do they say about Christians? You all think you're so... Hypocrites. Self-righteous. That too. That too. You're hypocrites. But before the hypocrites, you're right. Before the hypocrites, what do they say? We're so righteous. You're so righteous. You think you got it all together. You think you're perfect. All you do is point the finger at everyone else when, in fact, you should look at yourself in the mirror because, as Cecily said, you are hypocrites, right? And um, trust me. And I'd say, yeah, you know, I, you might be onto something there because I think for all of us, we're, we're sinful and we, that self-righteousness, it, it's, it's such an easy plague um, in our hearts and minds. And here we see that picture of the flesh persecuting the one of the spirit. So also it is now. And that's what the Judaizers are doing. They are persecuting the word of God, the gospel. Right? Um, does that mean we don't live without the law? Of course not. Right? We, we still have the law. I can't. That's the slippery slope, isn't it? Oh, it's all gospel. So, um, you know, I'm just going to live my life the way I want. And at the end of the day, when the bell tolls, I'll be there. Right? <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, that's, that's what people, I mean, I don't know if people think that, but I think that's why a lot of times, uh, you know, uh, we don't know when the Lord will return because if we did know, I think everyone would be lining up at Faith Lutheran Church in Moore Park, California, right then and there. And we'd be like, sorry, I think the capacity is 99. Governor Newsom says that's, that's the capacity. So that's it, right? Yeah, 25%. But, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to get political. But but the point is, is that, you know, we, we don't live life like that, right? We we have the law. It, it is good, but we're not burdened by it. We're not bound by it because, because Jesus has fulfilled the law, right? Uh, we're not saying that the law saves because Jesus saves us and rescues us from sin and death and the power of the devil. Um, and and there, uh, you know, uh, trust me, this is what will persecute us time and time again. And I love it when I hear people on, at church on Sunday because I've heard this quite, not frequently, but I hear it more than not, is uh, just some people saying, thank you for getting me back to Jesus because I hear so much stuff in this world that all I need to hear right now is what Jesus has done for me. And I think in the midst of self, let's say if you're in the midst of self-righteousness or even a frightened soul, of burden and shame and sin, this is the one who mends our wounds. And that is the promise of God. Um, and that is Jesus. And we got to hear it time and time again. It's never enough. Right? It's never enough because we know what this promise is. Okay. Uh, verse 30 and 31. If someone could read that. I could do that. But what does the scripture say? Cast out the slave woman and her son, for the son of the slave woman shall not inherit with the son of the free woman. So, so brothers, we are not children of the slave, but of the free woman. All right. So again, you know, as we see in Genesis 21, verse 10, um, it's that picture of being cast out, Hagar and Ishmael, uh, the symbol of, of being bound in slavery. Now, According to the law, Mount Sinai, the Judaizers, and all them, this is the end result. Is that uh, if you think that you could save yourselves, 
surprisingly, you'll realize that you're more bound as ever, right? Uh, it's almost as if like, uh, you know, with, with Hagar, she had the baby Ishmael. And at that moment, we see in Genesis 16, I believe, that she kind of looked at Sarah and said, look what I got, you know? It's almost as if she was saying, look, I'm the one who has the gift. I'm the one who, is, who has the baby that you're coveting. Um, um, you know, I have, I have it all. When in fact, she didn't have nothing at all. Because again, it's all by the word and promise of God. And that's the deception, isn't it? You'll have it all if you eat from this tree. No, you'll be actually, you'll receive enslavement. And that's what we see in the story of Hagar versus the story of Sarah and Abraham that by the promise of God, they weren't perfect. Abraham was not perfect. Sarah wasn't perfect. I mean, they, they laughed and scoffed and said, no way we're gonna have a baby, right? They, they had disbelief. Uh, but by that promise, the word comes to them and they have this promise. And they, uh, there we are too of the free woman set free from captivity by the, as children of promise. So as we look at that parallel of, of Hagar and Sarah, you know, it, it's a big St. Paul, of course, time and time again, does a, a fabulous job of, uh, of showing us the tensions to which we live, but also the consequences of, of living under the law as if it could justify and declare us righteous. And, and that is where we have the false sense of, of salvation, of righteous, false sense of salvation, false sense of righteousness, a false sense of comfort, right? And that's why it's only Christ, children of promise. That's what sets you free. And that is what we will hear time and time again until our Lord returns, is the work of Christ and in him crucified. So, um, Yes. Any, any thoughts on this? I know, um, and I know we kind of zipped through that, uh, quickly this time, but, um, do you kind of see the, hopefully in your, in your own life, you see the tension. I mean, honestly, I, I think that whole legalism, the self-righteousness, it's a very subtle thing. I mean, we live in a world that promotes this type of elemental philosophy or spirit, right? This is the teaching that we live Right? you got to do something to get something. And uh, that's the saying, by the way, that I was thinking about earlier. Uh, and even when it comes to faith, it's, you know, what have you done? What have you done? What have you done? Um, and um, soon enough, we find ourselves thinking, well, have I done enough? And that is where the plight of the Galatians is magnified um, in our own lives as we well, at the end of the day, subtly trust ourselves for salvation when in fact we're just like under the line of Hagar, still under slavery if that's the case, right? So, uh, yeah. Um, any thoughts about this? Well, I, I think it's interesting because I think one of the issues that we still have today that seems like it's one of the Galatians problems that rolls back with Hagar and and Isaac and everything is the fact that we're just not patient. Like if God gives us a plan, it's like, well, we're going to move that plan forward and try to not let God move at his own time. I, I think that's always one of the weird things about that. How, how tempting it is that we're going to do this. We're just going to steamroll this through no patience and no consideration for the fact that God will do it in his own time. Yeah. Yeah, his will is done, right? Um, 
I think given this time and place, I think all of us fight that daily with patience and trust in the will of God. Um, I, I fight it daily um, in ministry as a human being daily. I think that's a constant struggle in a sense of trusting in his will and plan and being patient um, rather than just being an engineer and, and trying to, to figure out my salvation by the law and um, or by the law of nature. So yeah, uh, hopefully you guys see that in your individual, in your individual life. But, uh, but yes, guys, um, you know, I want you to really discern and, and decipher and, and really see the fine line between the law that shows us how to live as Christians versus the law that, um, that is a salvation for our souls and how easily that can be mixed up, right? Remember, when you hear a burden, go back to the gospel. When you're burdened, go back to the gospel. Go back to the gospel. Repent and go back to the gospel. And, and um, there we go on again, living according to his word. But this is, this is the constant. You're not, you're not trying to measure up. It's already been done. Already. Right? Already. So, all right. Why don't we close? Why don't we close right there? And uh, be on our way. Let us pray. Let us pray. Dearly Father, we thank you for this day, O Lord, uh, for uh, bringing us, for gathering us in your name as the children of promise. Thank you, O Lord, for your uh, wondrous grace, uh, your, 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 your generosity uh, that you would give to us, us sinners, uh, your son to die for our sins. Bless us, O Lord, according to the Spirit, that though our flesh wars against us, Lord, that you would give us wisdom and faith to trust in your holy name. Bless our families, lead our households, and O Lord, grant us the peaceful joy of the victory already given through the salvation from our Lord. Bless and keep us this night and grant us your safety. Lord, for all these things we are thankful. We pray this in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.